And I said, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, I want you to talk about sharing Jesus. And I was like, well, um, those were the guidelines. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I know everybody in here, so um, I don't need to, to introduce myself. But I'll tell you a little bit about the things that I do around town outside of our time here at One Hope on Sundays, leading worship with you guys and hosting our small group at our house on Tuesdays. Um, I am the president for Athens Wedding Professionals. Um, which is a group of wedding professionals in town. Um, it sounds way more prestigious than it really is because I actually pay to do this job. It's really fun. Um, I lead a group in Athens called Pursuit Community, which is for female entrepreneurs in the creative industries um, that love Jesus and want to figure out a way to give back the glory that he's given their businesses. So it's really, really fun. I get to work with women um, in all different Industries related to mine, photography, graphic design, um, I don't know, people who are writers and painters and bloggers, and it's um, like right up my alley. Um, until Thursday when I quit something like um, all Bob Goff says to do every Thursday, um, I was leading a group in Athens called Rising Tide Society, which is a group of men and women entrepreneurs in the creative industries to help um, lead a movement about community over competition. Um, I have served at the Athens Area Homeless Shelter. I've translated at Mercy. I um, do HR for Horizon Physical Therapy. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I've had my hand in a lot of different places in town. That's right. <laughs> and I don't get paid for that either. Let's just be honest. Um, and um, it's been really fun to see what um, reach I can have being an entrepreneur that literally works in my house by myself Tonight, I just put on a sweater and boots over my leggings and came on over because the rest of the time, I'm at my house by myself working. So um, anyway, that's what I do. I'm one of those people that um, I never expected hospitality to be my main spiritual gift, but it has kind of morphed into that in the last, um, I'd say, six or seven years. And um, I just really love people. I also suffer from, like, FOMO, right, fear of missing out. I just don't want to miss anything, so I do all the things, which makes me really tired a lot of the time. So um, not only do I want to be in your club, but I want to be on the board, and I'm going to be the president of your club, and that's kind of how I do things um, until I get tired and they go, I'm not doing it anymore. I can't. It's too much. Um, and then I find another club to be the president of. That's <laughs> just what I do. So I just want to tell you guys a little bit about how I um, end up sharing Jesus in, like, my daily life. Um, I'm just speaking from, like, the stuff that I do. This may not work for everybody, but I'll just tell you kind of how um, I go about things. Um, and I'm one of those people that loves to read self-help books. Any, like, people are like, what's your favorite? Like, do you love books like Harry Potter? And do you love books? And I'm like, no, no. But if you tell me how to make myself better in life, I'm probably going to read it. Or I'm going to at least own it. <laughs> and it'll sit on a shelf. So one day, if I have time, I will read it. Um, so I currently have a list of about this many books to, to start on. But um, the Bible is like the best self-help book <laughs> ever because it tells you the really good stuff about yourself, how much God loves you, the sacrifice that he made for you, the things that he's given for you, his whole self because he loves you, he sent his son down. Um, but it also tells you a lot of really bad things about yourself 
Okay. And I feel like in order to share Jesus effectively with people, you have to be transparent, at least with yourself, you know, know your own depravity, (laughs) um, because you're not going to be able to lure people in, attract them in with vinegar. What is that saying? Can't draw flies in with vinegar, but you can with honey. I don't know. Something, you know. So, anywho, I'm nailing this thing. This is really good. <laughs> the camera angle, though, this is my good, this is my good side. Um, so, anyway, the first thing that, that I really um, feel passionately about is exposure, okay? Exposure in general, not the kind of exposure that I get when people call and want me to shoot, you know, their birth to expand my portfolio <laughs> with exposure. Like, no, I mean exposure to people around you, okay? Um, you can't share Jesus with people if there aren't any people in your life. So if you, even even being a stay-at-home mom or being somebody like Anthony who's in a basement of a hospital all the time um, and only interacts with, you know, 15 people, the same people every day, um, there, I'm like a full believer that you sometimes need a hobby or you need something that you really like that's going to give you a connection with people outside of exactly what you do every day. Um, if you're a student, I remember Megan did the UGA Corral even after she wasn't a student or, you know, just things like that um, to keep people in and out of your life, like circulating. Even like Tara, she did stuff with the library. Um, she would go and hang out with a group of women there or, you know, just all of us. We have opportunities to meet people. We just got to step out that door. And I don't mean just believers, okay? So it's there's a difference between exposure to believers and exposure to non-believers. So, um, I'll start with non-believers because to me that's like the easy part of the conversation. It's not hard to spot somebody or have one conversation with somebody and realize that they don't know the Lord, um, especially if they just tell you, which today it's kind of like everybody's offended by everything and nobody wants to claim anything, so we're just going to be neutral. I don't believe in anything. Um, so the thing about having relationships with people who don't believe the same things that you do. That can be really hard. It can be really difficult. Um, those people challenge you to dig deeper and find out exactly why you believe what you believe. And I'm not talking about just, um, you know, I just believe because that's what the Bible says. Well, that's not going to hold any ground to people who don't believe that the Bible is true. So they make you question things. They make me personally question my identity in Christ. Like, not in a way that's going to make me, like, shudder at what they're saying, but really pushes me to go, okay, I need to, like, have my footing strong and know exactly why I believe what I believe, okay? Um, then, as far as your exposure to believers, that, to me, is where it gets even trickier. I grew up, um, I was 13 when I became a Christian. My mom and I, she was a single mom, had dads in and out of my life, um, and it was one of those things when I decided to call God my father, it just brought a big old mess with it um, because that was just a role that had never been filled in the correct way. So um, it meant making myself vulnerable. It meant, um, you know, really trying to overcome this stereotypical bad guy that was just going to punish me mentality and um, and hurt me and, like, hurt my family and hurt my mom. Just wanted me to, like, be separate from everybody that was going to make me feel protected. And that's not how God it is at all. But what I realized is that there is a difference between Christians and, like, true believers, okay? And um, I'm talking about, like, the real, honest, true people. Not the people that just show up on Sunday to, like, check off a box. And this is hard. Like, it's hard to figure this out, in my personal opinion. Um, I had a conversation with a girl who is another um, wedding professional in town who actually, her and her husband were married for 10 years, I think, at this point. And they moved from... um, about an hour and a half away, they moved to Athens, and she knew that I was involved in a small group, and she didn't really know what that meant, but she asked if they could come. And so they did, and they brought their kids, and everything was great. And I realized 
her husband was a youth pastor, okay? Um, and he um, actually was a youth of my college pastor when I went to Prince Avenue growing up. And um, so I just assumed, like, he's pretty solid. I know Sky over at Prince. Like, he was solid, so this guy's got to be solid. Um, well, no solid guy is going to marry some girl that, like, just doesn't really think Jesus is necessary. Um, and so I have, you know, um, conversations with her and um, talk to her from the standpoint of somebody who's a believer in Jesus. And um, when the small group was over and I asked her if she thought they would come back, she said, you know what, I'm going to be honest, like, I don't really think Jesus is my thing. Like, you know, it's not really, like, my husband doesn't pressure me on this. He just kind of lets me do my thing. And for the last 10 years, I just head to the nursery and nobody really asks questions. And in my head, I go, okay, our church is like 50 people, and if they're going to ask some questions, <laughs> how are you going to a church <laughs> when you're just hanging out in the nursery for 10 years and nobody knows, like, really where your heart is? And so the second she said that, my head went, oh, man, what have I said? What have I done? How have I acted? Like, we were on the same field, and we're just like, our train of thoughts are totally different. So that's one thing that you have to just think a lot about as your exposure to people who are real true believers because I feel like even outside of just being plugged into a church um, there has to be that interaction with people one-on-one where you get to like know their heart because it's real easy for me to say I love the Lord like that's my main priority in life all this other stuff but if you don't know me personally you don't get to see how my life has played out and you don't have much interaction with me like I could be lying right to your face so um, the next thing for me um, that's a big deal is self-evaluation. Again, I told you all I love self-help books. I will read them all. Um, but we actually covered it this week in small groups, and I was so glad that this verse popped up. Um, and it was 1 Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4, 16. And um, I'm going to find it on my phone because I took a picture of it. Um, it says, keep a close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and um, the hearers. Okay, so keep a close watch on yourself. <laughs> okay, any time that I think, like I realize I'm getting ahead of myself when I'm like, I have this together. Like, this is fine. I'm solid on this area. Um, I just have to pull back and go, okay, let me just think um, about, like, what my motives are. You know, I um, told this to the ladies this past fall when we started Ladies Night. God just showed me when I was reading my Bible some um, this past fall that for me, looking at scripture, there are like two camps that I tend to fall under. There's like David, who is your courageous, like fighter. He's brave. Not, not always. I mean, he's, he was a little guy for a little bit. Um, but he's brave. He's like the guy, he's strong and he gets stuff done and he's respected. He's the man after God's own heart. Okay. And then you have Moses who, um, doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to speak. He's like, I don't have the words for this, but God did all these huge things through him because he laid himself down and was like, whatever you want to do, that's fine. There's a book in Numbers. I know it's the most exciting <laughs> book in the Bible. There's a chapter in Numbers where it's talking about Miriam and um, Aaron, and they're having a conversation, and she's all angry because, um, you know, they're just, like, talking about Moses, and they're like, well, who do you think that you are that he he can just, like, you know, God can do whatever he's doing through you. Like, who? I, he could do that through me. He could do whatever. And it made God so angry that he came down and he said, who do you think you are? Moses is the most humble man on the face of the earth. And so for me, I go, okay, there's Moses, who's 
the most humble man on the face of the earth. Like the one. He came down just to let you know there was only one, and it was him. And then there's David, who is a man after God's own heart. Being David is so easy for me because I'm okay to, like, get riled up and fight for something I really love and something I really believe in, but it's much harder for me to be humble and to not, like, want to puff myself up with pride. And it was this past fall when I was um, just praying a lot about what God had next for me for my career and just different things in my business, and I was like, God, I would rather you take all of these things from me, just strip them away like my own skin and throw it in a corner and let it not be done than let me get a proud heart because for me... That's a huge, like, area. I have to keep myself in check. So uh, consider the things that are most important to you in your life, okay? If Jesus, Jesus is not on that list of things that you top, like, three things. <laughs> if he's not on that list, there are huge problems um, with that. You're never going to be able to fully share how beautiful and powerful God's transforming love is in your life and have people believe you, okay? Also, <laughs> we're not looking to create sheep out of people, that we're trying to tell about Jesus, okay? Sheep are mindless. They're helpless. They just follow you around. You know, if you're driven past, like, a field and you see a bunch of sheep, they will literally stare at a stick. They will just stand there until somebody's like, shoo. That, we're, not, we're trying to create thinkers and doers, people who will sp- speak truth and pour into others for the kingdom of Jesus. Um, that you, and, and you can't persuade people to love something that isn't a top priority for you, okay? Huh, okay. Um, another thing about knowing yourself, sharing your depravity is like a huge thing, okay? The last thing for me that I want to do is appear weak to people, but this past week when I had to step down from leading this um, Rising Tide Society because it was something I did not want to do. I didn't want to do it when they asked me, and then they called me, and they asked again, and I said no. And then um, I finally, I just got roped into it, and then still clicking that button to like make myself not an administrator on this account um, and step down was like, so hard for me, and I don't know why, because I did not want to do it at all, like nothing in me, but I still had a hard time resigning that, and so I told the guy that I was co-leading with, and it was everything in me to just like swallow the rocks to say, okay, I'm done, but I feel like when you let people know your own struggles, when you let people know the things about you that you're insecure about and the areas that you get it wrong, that's when God is able to take your mess and make it something really awesome and powerful for somebody else. Um, Okay. Next to last thing, um, love. Michael already hit on this, um, but for me, think about the things that you speak about a lot, okay? If you're married, you have a dog, if you like animals, if you have kids, if you have a job that you're really passionate about, how many conversations with people do you have to have before you end up bringing those things up? I mean, I have like five-second conversation. I'm like, oh, my husband, blah, blah, or oh, my kids, blah, 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 or they come and attach themselves to my leg in public, and... That's just kind of what happens. But we can go days, weeks, months, years without having conversations about pe- with people about Jesus. And if he is the love of our life, if he is the most important thing in our world, and we aren't mentioning him, we are utterly failing. Okay? Um, I have a verse that I'm actually going to share next um, that is out of 2 Corinthians. But... Um, this is kind of funny. I was reading like all of the stuff before when I was prepping for this, and this verse kind of hit me. It says, therefore, we're confident that as long as we're at home in this body, we're away from the Lord, okay? Basically, that is, okay, we know that everything is going to be uncomfortable here. Like, this is all just going to be uncomfortable. It's not comfortable to say my name. It's not comfortable to just, like, be out there charging, you know, the world for me, but 
we live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, we'd prefer to be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. So making our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it, we have to appear at a judgment seat before Christ one day. So do the work, okay? Um, they, um, God's given us one tool, I mean, a million of them, but one thing for me that ends up being a very big, like, conversation starter is just my church, okay? Like, it's a body of believers, like, it's a huge, like, as a whole, but my local church, um, let somebody ask me if I got something to do on Tuesday. Like, yeah, I have a small group for my church. What are you doing on Sunday? Can you shoot my portrait session at 11 a.m.? No, I can't. I have church. Have you got this? So, say that enough times to random people, and I'm guaranteeing you they're going to start coming to you with things that church people do, okay? I have a friend who comes to me to pray for her. You don't know Jesus, <laughs> but she's got crisis, and she's like, well, she prays, so I'm going to call her, and that gives you just an in to be able to talk to them about the Lord, okay? Um, also, what, one thing that Michael said that I was like, well, I'm just going to repeat it, um, is if you love somebody and you don't tell them about the most important thing in your life, you don't really love them. I had a conversation with a friend of ours. We talked about everything from infertility to sex to makeup to, I mean, all these things um, that her and her husband were struggling with that we had um, been through or that we were struggling with. And um, one night, Anthony and I sat down at the dinner table with her and her husband, and we had been praying, and it was like three years in the making. We were finally like, let's just do this. Like, what are we worried about? We prayed, and I said, God, please bring up an opportunity for us to just, just talk about the gospel. And within like 15 minutes, we had three full like layouts of the gospel. Um, And it was really cool. And it was one of those things where when we closed, I said, okay, listen, here's the deal. I've known you for a really long time. And I'm not trying to push anything down your throat. I'm not trying to convert you. I'm not trying to make you feel pressure. But what I'm trying to tell you is that I love you. And if I say that I love you, but I can't tell you and I won't tell you about the one thing that's the most important thing in my life. I am failing, and I don't really love you. And she just started weeping. <laughs> and she was like, you know, I don't really know if I buy into it, but I really appreciate it. Like, I've always known that you were a believer, and I, but I just, you know, I just really, really appreciate it. Um, so anyway, there's that. And the last thing, um, directions and pursuit. Okay, so we're all like, why, why do we share the gospel? Other than the things that Michael has said, other than the things that everybody else is going to say this week, found a verse that sums up why we do it. <laughs> it's 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, For Christ's love compels us. And you could literally stop right there. <laughs> um, in my opinion, that's sufficient. His love compels us. If you've ever experienced real joy, if you've ever experienced love, if you've ever experienced peace that passes all understanding, all those like cliches that people will say about Christianity and about Jesus, if you've even just experienced one of them, like there's no reason for us to keep it to ourselves. You know, we're, it says, For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Okay? Yeah. I've got a song that I want us to play really quick. Um, there's a Bible study that I did called Treasures of Darkness a couple years ago, or I guess like a year and a half ago. It's really fantastic, and if anybody is <coughs> grieving or just going through a hard time, like, man, this is the one to, to, to take on, um, and I wasn't at the time, but it blew me away, and there's one um, part at the very beginning of the book where she's talking about um, how when God created Adam, and he 
She said, in my head, he physically knelt down to this body that he'd created. He just pulled it out of the dirt. And he leans down, and he's mouth-to-mouth to Adam. And he blows air into his body until his breath runs the same cadence as God's. And I'm like, man, you know, if he's there that we're breathing, if he is what is inside of us, and we can't even love him enough to just, like, praise him All you have to do is